Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Heko nai purangi te nei na te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Piki mai kake mai. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. Emily Parker heads the Chemical and Synthetic Biology Research Group at the Ferrier Research Institute. In 2018, she was awarded a Marsden Grant from the Royal Society Te Aparangi to investigate a family of bioactive compounds found in fungi. The idea, she says, is to create a genetic recipe book for natural medicinal compounds. I headed up to Victoria University of Wellington to meet Emily and some of her students in the lab to find out how the project is going. I often get asked what kind of scientist I am and I find it quite hard. I was trained as a, a chemist, as an organic chemist, but slowly moved over into looking at biological processes. So our lab really does probably very little traditional chemistry now, but then spans well into the molecular biology, the structural biology, understanding enzymes and proteins and how they work, and trying to kind of put biological machinery to work try and understand its mechanics, how we can get it to work and how we can understand kind of the power of genes. So what is it about working out the structure of molecules? Why does that appeal to you? I guess there's a fascination in the detail. I guess my students would say to me, I always think there should be a logical answer to everything, even though many of our results don't appear to have a logical explanation when we first receive them. But it's, it's part of you know, the interconnectedness of everything, energetic structure, the way our world is, tiny particles, atoms, all of those things, bonds, how things work, I, I guess that fascination in, in terms of that detail, that molecular detail of how things work. And I think we've got such tools now that we aren't just looking at small molecules, we're looking at big molecules that life, nature depends on. So tell me about a particular molecule that you've worked on. A lot of my work traditionally been on how enzymes do their job. So enzymes are, are nature's catalysts. They're the things that make the chemical reactions that support life possible because they speed them up dramatically. So we get rapid reactions which, which would million times faster than what they would happen without that, that catalyst. So we often think of enzymes as living things. You think of them like in your laundry detergent and things like that, going around munching up the dirt. But enzymes, of course, are proteins. They're proteins which are encoded by genes. So they're, what I say, nature's machinery for making things. And we have done quite a lot of work on understanding those enzymes themselves. But the work I've been doing, particularly on this Marsden-funded project, is actually saying, how can we link gene sequence to chemical output? So many people will be aware that natural products are produced by microorganisms and plants. Penicillin, natural product, produced by penicillium fungus. We're actually growing penicillium fungus in, in the lab. So that's a natural product. That's a product that the fungus produces to protect itself in its ecological niche. You know? so, and of course, 
those compounds, those secondary metabolites or natural products, have an enormous advantage. We've found enormous advantage in those. There's so much diversity in the natural product repertoire that is available. And really the heart of the uh, project is really saying, okay, so now, now we have access to so much sequence information, so much genomical sequence information. How do we read that information from gene sequence and how do we read that and know what chemical will come out the other end? At the moment, we can isolate a fungus and isolate the products it produces and work it out. It's very empirical. How can we predict, just from knowing gene sequence, what the outcome is? And so how do we get more data that feeds, feeds that algorithm that helps us understand you know, that really intimate relationship between gene sequence and ultimate chemical output. Those genes encode for some enzymes, those enzymes catalyze some chemistry, and out of that comes these wonderfully diverse natural products that help organisms in their ecological niche. How do we understand that diversity and how it's created by gene sequence? So you mentioned the Marsden Grant, so Mm -hmm. that's allowing you to look at a particular family of compounds that fungi... Produce. Yes, and what you can't see is on my wall a massive diagram of chemical structures or all interconnected chemical structures. So I guess what we're asking in, in this project is how are these chemical structures that are all related, all come from the same precursors, starting materials within the cell, how do we get this diverse array of compounds? How does one organism create one subset of these compounds, another create another a subset? What's different? And I I guess what we're saying is the answer is in gene sequence. The answer is in the coding. And understanding and trying to unlock that secret within gene sequence and say, okay, well, if I'm a gene of the sequence, I will produce an enzyme that does this chemistry, and therefore my chemical output will be this structure. Um, And so that's what we're trying to to relate. Um, So um, there's... Obviously, a lot of evolutionary relationships between different genes and the different organisms that that bear those genes as well, and that has some bearing on it. But we're very keen to be able to understand how gene sequence relates to the ultimate chemical output of these exquisitely complex natural products that um, microorganisms and plants are so good at producing. So it's trying to understand the ingredients that you could then use to make recipes. It is, it's almost understanding nature's recipes, if you like. Would this give you the potential down the track to go, OK, so if we put these genes together, we might create a new kind of compound? Potentially, we might be able to take gene sequences that allow a particular kind of chemistry, and we can put those together to tailor the chemistry and the output or decorate the compound production to compounds that might have greater value, that might, might be more useful. So how do you go about doing this kind of work? Okay, so uh, uh, there's a whole whole lot of different things involved, but there's gene sequence information which we need. So sometimes we have to seek and get that. There is then piecing together those parts so that we can test the function of those things, and then there's growing up the fungus and seeing what it produces. So the small molecule or compound characterization. So we grow it up and we extract the natural product pool and analyse that and that's far more chemical because we're looking at the small molecule structures and the the things that we produce. So what are the compounds that you're working with? So the compounds that we've 
been working with are indole diterpenes. Indole diterpenes. Um, so they're made from basic building blocks and get pieced together in a way, make a precursor molecule, and then the pathway branches out all sorts of directions. So what we're interested in, why does it go in different directions? What, what, what controls the different outcomes from the same precursor pool? What controls those different chemical outcomes? And the secret is in the sequence of the proteins that do the chemistry, that are the enzymes that catalyse the chemistry, and, of course, those proteins are encoded by the genes. So that's why we always talk about the holy grail in this field, being able to read chemistry from genes. Now, you've got a group of students working on this in the lab. Can we go and meet them? Yes, absolutely. Hi, I'm Rose, and I'm a PhD student in the Synthetic and Chemical Biology Lab of the Ferrier Research Institute. So when I arrived, you were very busy sitting at the bench working away on things. So what are you actually working on? So basically, I've created some circular pieces of DNA, and what I do is I transform them into fungi or mould, trying to understand how fungi makes certain compounds so that we can produce them on a larger scale. So how do you do that? We start from looking at the genome and doing bioinformatic analysis and through trying to work out and predict what kind of genes are going to do certain things, we can then take that information, we can extract DNA from fungi or we can synthesise that and put that into a different um, host. So you're really looking for potential in surprising places. So not many people yeah. would think of fungi as being this treasure chest of potential, but that's really what you're trying to unlock, isn't it? Exactly. Most of the time, fungi doesn't produce certain bioactive compounds in large enough amounts. So we harness the ability of fungi to make those and put them into a, a different species of fungi that's really good at that and by doing that we can essentially unravel how things are made and access certain metabolites that we wouldn't have been able to get before. That's really interesting so your original fungi just produces little quantities just enough for itself and you're trying to get more. Yeah so by understanding how those are made and by putting them into a different host we can actually make them more efficiently and that can lead to being able to do various things like more bioactivity testing or actually being able to produce enough for it to come to the market. What kind of uses might you end up with for these goods? Is it something like a potential pharmaceutical? Potential pharmaceuticals, agrochemicals, so insecticides, anti-cancer drugs, even antivirals, trying to think of other things. So, the, so there's, a, there's yeah. a ton of potential uses. A ton of potential uses, yeah. And how's your work actually going? Is it, is it doing what you want it to do? So I've actually completely delineated a biosynthetic pathway to a certain class of compounds made by one particular mould. And I've also been able to use those genes to make completely new compounds as well. So you've made these entirely new compounds. What's the next step? So I'm focused on isolating those and making sure I have enough and then we can send those for bioactivity testing, um, see what other uses they might have. 
and I'll continue to work on trying to generate even more diverse compounds from that. So what does bioactivity testing involve, Emily? A whole lot of things. I mean, this first, the analysis of the chemical structure, but we have collaborators who work in other, other places who do some of the testing for us, and some of it we can get done by commercial entities as well. So I mean, some of it we know because we, it's known on other, other properties of compounds. Other stuff, it's harder to know how wide to cast the the net to look for different um, uses of some of these compounds. So, so that's when you might begin to go, this would make a good antibacterial or this might be a good antiviral. And it's actually quite or... hard to predict that. It's quite hard to predict that from structure. So we will often do some, look at doing some basic analyses just to give us some clues of which, whether we've got any compounds that have interesting activities. So does this involve looking at things almost gene by gene? Yes, and I like confirm the function of five different genes sequentially. Each different chemical reaction that those genes led to yeah, required the step before that to work, so I had to do it in a linear fashion. When one of them didn't work, it stopped me for a while, but finally got that working, and then everything was free-flowing, which was really good. But um, I guess one of the cool things was that three of those genes have functions that have never been seen before, and one of them I've made it work on a completely different compound as well. Does that happen very often, or is this such an exciting new area that it does yeah, it's, happen? It's interesting, because sometimes we can predict the chemistry. Sometimes we can. We, we are almost there, that we can predict the chemistry from the sequence. And then other times, we, particularly for the genes which we kind of describe almost as decoration genes, we can't predict, and we've, we've had one example lately where uh, a very clever gene managed to to do three functions all on its own. So we were we were quite surprised by that. So unraveling that was was a bit of a surprise. And to be honest, until we have the inf- more information of of function that we can re- relate back to that sequence, we're not in a position to make those predictions about what the genes will do so some of them we look at them and know others of them we're okay maybe they do this kind of chemistry maybe they do that kind of chemistry but we have to do the experiments to work it out yeah. got someone else to talk to now so can you explain to me who you are please uh hi i'm rudy i'm a phd student at emily parker's synthetic and chemical biology lab uh, here at bow and what are you working on my project is focused on looking at how fungi make these wonderfully complex secondary metabolites, as they're called. So secondary metabolites are just uh, chemicals that aren't necessary for the survival of the fungus, but they may play an important role in the survival of the organism. And this process of going from primary metabolites and converting them into these complex secondary metabolites is a very complicated process. And what I'm trying to do is look at this process of generating a complex pool of secondary metabolites from the primary metabolites through the lens of two simple enzymes and understanding how these two enzymes take us from the common simple pool of uh, chemicals into this pool of complex chemicals that serve a beneficial function for us. So is this a bit like you've got your, and that's a kitchen analogy again, and it is another cooking analogy, so you've got your basic ingredients, your butter, your flour, your sugar, and different chefs 
um, can create a deliciously light sponge or a fancy black forest ghetto or a, absolutely. Um, a sticky date pudding. Absolutely, absolutely. And it depends on do we need more insecticides? Do we need more anti-cancer drugs? And we can't predict what we get. This is where the research is. We don't know whether we're going to get a Christmas cake or a sticky pudding. We, we find out once we've made it. We taste it and we see what, if we like it or not. My project is focused on understanding this process itself, whether mixing the flour with the eggs gives us something that we prefer, like, or does it make the batter sticky, or, or does not adding sugar make us a really good cake? That's kind of what my research is focused on. Specifically, looking at two enzymes. So uh, with the analogy, thinking of maybe the flour and the sugar, how do those two ingredients affect the final product? So have you made good inroads into discovering how these enzymes work, you know, how the secondary metabolites are produced? We know a lot more than we used to know. We've known that we can make this particular uh, cake, but we just haven't known the exact steps that make this cake. Um, and my research has led us to the discovery of the gene sequence that actually delivers this new specific chemistry. What does this information allow you to do now? So the goal of my project is to understand this, but the hope is that this understanding leads us to the ability of actually directing the synthesis in areas where we want the synthesis to go. What I mean by that is some of the compounds that fungi produce are not actually super useful. They're not super relevant. They might not have as strong an anti-cancer effect as we want, but some of them do. The hope is that by understanding how the secondary metabolites are made, we can push the synthesis in the direction that's most beneficial to us. Thanks, Rudy. Rudy Bandela is a PhD student at Victoria University of Wellington. We also heard from PhD student Rose McClellan and from Emily Parker, who is with the Feria Research Institute at Victoria University of Wellington. She's also with the Morris Wilkins Centre for Molecular Biodiscovery. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 17th of September 2020. You can listen again at our webpage rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. The website is also where you can sign up for our free weekly email newsletter. The subscription link is at the bottom of the webpage. That is also where the Our Changing World audio collections hang out, including our earthquake collection, with stories going back to well before the 2010 Darfield earthquake. If you're in the market for a new podcast to listen to, check out the podcasts tab at rnz.co.nz. The New Zealand history series Black Sheep is always a good listen. We're on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Stay safe and catch you next time. Mate wa.